some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Good Monday to you. Welcome in. It is Quick 6 on this Monday afternoon, November the 4th, 2019. I'm Jason Martin, host of The Big Six and other things here on 104.5 The Zone. Also the host of The Jason Martin Show, heard nationally Sunday mornings on Fox Sports Radio. You can find me on Twitter at jmartzone. Blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. I hope this podcast... This installment of the Quick Six finds you and yours doing exceedingly well. And I don't think I've said this on this podcast. I have said it a lot on my radio show. And a lot of people have taken advantage of it. And honestly, I think that it's important enough that it needs to be mentioned every single time. My DMs at jmartzone, whether you follow me or not, whether you find what I have to say enlightening when it comes to sports or pop culture or whether or not you despise it. And I guess if, if that's the case, you're probably not listening to this, but maybe there's a few of you out there. First off, perfectly fine. <laughs> you know, um, I'm only able to give it from my perspective and my opinion and do it my way. It may not be your way, but those of you that are out there that feel a little bit lost, maybe feel a little bit lonely, a little bit empty, uh, my DMs at Zone are always going to be wide open, and especially for faith-based communications, um, conversations that you might want to have that you just got some questions or you just want to get something off your chest. Uh, I'm here for that. I'm always going to be here for that. I feel like it's, it's just something that is missing right now in – in life and society in a lot of ways is openness of the right variety. And so regardless of where you see me or where you view me or how you view me, I'm always going to be there to have that conversation with you. And also just because my Lord has, has blessed me so much with so many things over the past few years, especially just waking up one day and deciding that 370 pounds needed to change. And now it's, you know, 195 or a little bit less, give or take, depending on the season, I guess. You know, I'm always here for that conversation also. If you need inspiration or whatever, I can promise you there's nothing special about me except that I'm saved. And guess what? So are you. Let's talk some football here. That's what we do on the Quick Six. This might be a little bit of a quicker version of the Quick Six. I've said that before and failed, but my voice is still a little bit shot from doing four hours of the Jason Martin show yesterday uh, and the Tennessee tailgate show on Saturday. Uh, Sometimes the voice and especially this time of year, I drink coffee constantly. If you know me, basically that's what you're going to see me carrying at all times is some kind of, of coffee drink so much so that I'm actually taking a class on espresso on Friday morning. I'll be doing my show Friday night, but before that you will know that I have been downtown in Nashville learning how to, pull espresso and handle it properly. And I got a new machine as one of our registry gifts and just thankful about that. And I want to take advantage of it. I want to learn everything I can about this. 
My wife has joked with me that someday I'm going to open up a coffee shop and that'll be where I'll end up. And she's a fantastic baker. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe we both end up leaving our careers in radio and television and the medical field and do that down the line in 20 or 25 years. But what you get joy out of, especially when it's something simple, like for me, drinking coffee, I just, I enjoy it so much. I look forward to getting up in the morning and doing that. That's part of my daily ritual, quiet time and all of those things. So I just continue to embrace it and I continue to see it as, as just another blessing that's helped to simplify my life. Also, just so you know, at the Big Six blog where I'm the editor-in-chief, still writing the Titans and Vols takeaway pieces after each game and still writing on Watchmen and planning here after I record this and do a workout to write on the first episode of His Dark Materials, which premieres tonight on HBO. It's going to be a Monday night show. Um, I'll let you know what I think of it. I have watched most of the first episode already, um, and I've got four of them, but I need to watch it again, honestly. I was so exhausted yesterday that I just wasn't able to devote to it enough, so it's possible this review doesn't go up until it's already aired, but that's my plan. I'm also going to write on AEW this week in advance of their first pay-per-view this weekend for All Elite Wrestling, the full gear show. But let's talk some football. We'll start in college, even though maybe the biggest result of the entire weekend was what we saw last night on Sunday Night Football with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens making a huge statement at home against the undefeated, at that point, New England Patriots. This was a great day on Saturday for the top of the Pac-12. Now, yes, there were teams in the Pac-12 that lost, but there's teams in every conference that lose. There were two teams that needed to win if you're a Pac-12 fan, Oregon and Utah, because both of them have one loss and both of them have at least some claim to being in the discussion for the college football playoff. Oregon annihilated USC on the road. That should be the end for Clay Helton. Maybe not yet. They'll probably let him finish out the season but he's going to be gone, and he's been on borrowed time. Justin Herbert had himself a day, especially in the second half. Ducks are for real, and the defense just stymied the rookie quarterback for SC. And look, he can play. He might be out there a little sooner than usual, and he threw a trio of interceptions in this game, but SC just couldn't compete with the Ducks. Oregon is way better than I think many of us thought they were at the beginning of the year, or maybe this is what we thought they could be before they lost that week one game to, to Auburn. Utah beat Washington at Washington. That's always impressive, even though Eason and the Huskies, it may not be one of Chris Peterson's better teams. It's certainly not one of the better Washington teams of this decade. Still an impressive win. Super it's it's amazing what Kyle Whittingham has done at Utah, and I also think it's smart that he's never left. That is a perfect spot for him. There's never going to be any pressure. If they lose a couple of games, he's still going to be fine. I bet he loves his life, quite frankly. But when they're in the mix, as they seem to be right now, and Hunley is is a really fun player to watch, I was I enjoyed that game tremendously on Saturday. So they're both one-loss teams. They're both top 10 teams as well. I was thinking about it from this perspective. I was thinking about what the best one-loss team is at this point in time and whether or not that team is the one that has the best opportunity to actually go on and play in the college football playoff. And so I will actually turn it around a little bit here. And I'm going to give you my top 10 here in a moment as well. 
But I'm only going to look at four different teams here. I know Minnesota is undefeated, and believe me, they're going to have an opportunity to make that matter because they've got Penn State coming up this weekend in a battle of unbeatens just like we're going to see between LSU and Alabama and Tuscaloosa. They've got at Iowa, that's never easy to play, at Northwestern, and then they play Wisconsin. If they get through that and they're undefeated, we're going to have a different conversation about Minnesota. Congrats to P.J. Fleck and the Gophers, but there's still more they need to do because right now their signature win is bludgeoning Nebraska, which is not particularly signature. SMU was undefeated. They lost in a basketball game to Memphis, 54-48, to which was really fun to watch on Saturday night. App State was undefeated. They lost to Georgia Southern on Thursday. Here are the four one-loss teams that I'm paying attention to in this argument. Georgia, Utah, Oregon, Oklahoma. Oklahoma was idle. Here's what they've got left. Iowa State at undefeated Baylor. Yes, I should mention Baylor as being undefeated as well. They escaped West Virginia. They've had a couple of games that were not impressive during this run, but they're undefeated. That's impressive enough on its own. Iowa State at Baylor, TCU at Oklahoma State for Oklahoma. That's not great for them, honestly. I think they're too far down to get back into this mix. And if you're looking at the worst loss of these four teams that I just mentioned, theirs is by far probably number two on the list, honestly. Number one is Georgia. And Georgia might have the best claim because they're going to have an opportunity to win the East, especially after beating Florida, looking good in the process of doing that in Jacksonville, 24 to 17. Jake Fromm, his 31st win overall at Georgia. He's 30 and six as a starter at UGA. They've got at Auburn. That's a top 15 team. They've got Texas A&M, little disappointing. They've got their in-state rival, Georgia Tech left on their schedule before the SEC title game, which likely will put them against the winner of LSU and Alabama. I think their loss is the worst, though, because South Carolina has gone in the wrong direction. They peaked there, and then they looked pretty good the following week. And then they came back and they lost to Tennessee. And then they didn't look great against Vanderbilt. It's not a bad, it's a bad loss because they're not ranked. Oklahoma's loss is better because Kansas State is now ranked and they beat Kansas to enhance their spot to where they're number 20 in the country according to the AP right now. And they're 22 according to the coaches poll. That's more impressive to me than South Carolina who's not ranked anywhere. Utah lost to SC at SC. They beat Washington 33-28. to Here's what they've got left. UCLA, who's gotten better. Arizona, who is Arizona. And Colorado, who is Colorado. I don't know that they have enough left on that schedule. Although, if they get to the Pac-12 championship game, they can match up with Oregon. Oregon has Arizona, Arizona State, and Oregon State left. If they get through, we're going to get Utah and Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, and one of them will knock the other one out, and that'll be it. And that will be a good win for one of those two schools to buttress. But I'm looking at all of this, and I'm thinking – Let's take a look. The top three teams were all not in action on Saturday. LSU was idle. Alabama was idle. Ohio State was idle. Those three teams have a real good opportunity to get there, honestly. The loser of LSU and Alabama still has a chance with one loss to potentially get there. But if Georgia were able to go and beat the winner of that game in the SEC title game, then Georgia has a claim there. Clemson's going to get in. Their schedule just doesn't match up for them to lose at this point. They're just they're in a spot where it's going to work out for them. So you pencil them in. 
Ohio State has Penn State left, not easy, and they've got Michigan. Michigan will find a way to lose to them because they always do. If you pencil those two in, you pencil the winner of LSU-Alabama in, that gives you one spot. Who gets that spot? Probably another SEC team, honestly. Oregon is the only one I look at that, that I think has a chance right now because of this. Losses in the first week, to me, just simply don't matter as much as losses any other time during the season. Because in the first week, weird things happen. In the first week, you're still trying to sort of find your groove. you got new people out there. You're trying to get back into the swing of things. A lot of these games are on neutral sites. There's just oddities that happen there. And that's a good Auburn team that they lost to. That's an Auburn team. I don't think anybody saw Bo Nix doing what he did in that game. But Auburn's 12th ranked in the country right now in both polls. That's the best loss of the four, and it was in the first week of the season, and Oregon has looked great since that point. So if they handle business, I think they have a shot. I don't think Utah can get there because SC keeps losing ballgames. I don't think Oklahoma can get there because whoever they match up with left, and I don't think Baylor's enough, and I don't think at Oklahoma State in a year where Oklahoma State hasn't had a great year is going to be enough for them either. Georgia and Oregon are the two that have opportunities. But it, you know, it may ring false to people, but two SEC teams and nobody from the Pac-12 is very, very, very possible. Super possible at this point. I don't have much to say about Tennessee and UAB. Tennessee's offense didn't look great, but at least we saw more from Ty Chandler. Juwan Jennings still had five catches for 70 yards. I don't know why Garantano was out there. It's not Garantano. It's not Garantano. It's not Garrett Garantano. That was bad from Kelly Stouffer. The ESPNU crew, not particularly good with Phil Pot and him on Saturday night. It can be a tough gig, but it seemed like he was reading out of a media guide and no one had told him how to pronounce the name of the starting quarterback or the veteran quarterback for the Tennessee Vols. They beat UAB, who had a good defense. UAB, I mean, it was just kind of one of those ugly games. Tennessee, it, they didn't sleepwalk through it. They handled it, and they moved on, which is exactly what they needed to do going into where they're about a three-and-a-half-point dog to Kentucky in Lexington on Saturday, a game I think they will win. I think at this point, if Tennessee misses a bowl, you should be upset if you're a Tennessee fan. You shouldn't have felt that way three or four weeks ago, but now after you beat Mississippi State, you beat South Carolina, you beat UAB, and you've got three chances to win two games against competition that shouldn't scare you. We're not playing Alabama and LSU here. We're playing Kentucky, we're playing Missouri, and we're playing Vanderbilt. And you can win those games. You can win all three of them, as a matter of fact, and I think perhaps you should. Pruitt's gotten things more on the right track. He's always going to be a tough love kind of coach. I think that that much has been pretty clear. Batuli again out there playing well. Taylor playing well. Bryce Thompson tied a team record historically with three interceptions, Samaglia making deep field goals, which did not happen for the Tennessee Titans on Sunday in their loss to Carolina. Tennessee has righted the ship. I'm not saying they're a wonderful football team, but they're certainly a bowl team at this point, a team that should get those extra practices and should be invited, especially with their history and the way that Tennessee fans will probably rally around them, especially if they keep the momentum going. If they win, their final three games, and they finish the season this way. A lot of hope to end the year. It would be a really good feeling, especially to go ahead and beat Vanderbilt and knock that little monkey off your back that's been there for a while, just trying to finally beat that football team. And Derek Mason won't make it easy on them, no question about that. 
But Vanderbilt's undermanned. They lost to South Carolina. It looked at first like they might play with South Carolina, and then Carolina, who doesn't have great wide receivers, still was able to do plenty to make that a 24-7, a pretty easy day for them. Here's my top 10 in college football last week. Just for clarification's sake, Georgia at 10, Oregon at 9, Utah at 8, and I actually flipped it and said Georgia at 10, Utah at 9, Oregon at 8, 7 was Oklahoma, 6 was Florida, 5 Penn State, 4 Clemson, 3 Alabama, 2 Ohio State, 1 LSU. And here is where I am now. I'll put Baylor at 10 because they're undefeated. You could put Minnesota there as well. Baylor's beaten a little bit better opposition, I think, than Minnesota. I don't think either one of them is going to be undefeated within a week or two, probably. I don't think they're going to be heard from. And then if you wanted to extend that out a little bit further, you could look at Auburn, certainly, and you could still have Florida right there, even with two losses. Their two losses are to Georgia and to LSU, and neither one of them was a blowout. Those two teams are just a little better than they are. No sliding that. Number nine, I've got Oklahoma. I think their season's done as it relates to the college football playoff. With all due respect to Jalen Hurts and to Lincoln Riley, you heard my take on that. If you missed the quick six last week, check it out. You can hear what I had to say about Lincoln Riley's future. Utah at eight, good win on the road against Washington. Georgia's win in Jacksonville over Florida was a little more impressive to me, and I think they're a little better than Utah, so I've got them at seven. And Oregon all the way to six for me. I've had them in the rankings for the last two weeks, and now this third week, almost to the top five. Not undefeated, so I can only give them six. But I think they're a really good football team. And I kind of, it would be fun to see what they can do if they do make it into the college football playoff. That much is said. Number five, Penn State undefeated. They'll have an opportunity to prove their medal over the next few weeks to get higher up. Clemson at four. Alabama at three, Ohio State at two, LSU at one. Same exact top five as I've had for, well, at least the last two weeks. Clemson going to be fine. Alabama at three. The numbers dropped them to two in the AP. They're still number one in the coaches poll. LSU has moved up to number one in the AP. I have had them, if you've been listening to this show all year, for a month now. I've had them as the number one team in the country. And certainly they'll have the opportunity to prove that in the afternoon game of the week on CBS with LSU and Alabama. Not in primetime because the one primetime game that CBS decided to pick up was Notre Dame and Georgia this time around. Which, because LSU and Alabama has been so one-sided for so long, and then you find out, oh wait, this is the one we actually would have wanted. Because it might be a shootout kind of football game and a whole lot of fun. It's going to be a whale of a game, be around the television when it comes time for that. Let's talk some NFL here. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. First off, John Harbaugh is a great football coach. Bill Belichick had quiet respect for Lamar Jackson because he didn't really have much to say about him this week. There was a a feeling that maybe he was a little reticent, a little scared of what Lamar Jackson's offense was going to do and how he was going to deal with it. Well, they didn't deal with it well. Patriots hadn't seen anything remotely like this. Ingram ran crazy. Lamar Jackson's evading guys. Like Everybody uses a video game analogy. It's an analogy because it's true. but And, and some people probably see it as a slight to Lamar Jackson. It's not. Michael Vick said he thinks Lamar Jackson is better at what Michael Vick used to do than Vick is. He might be. He really might be. Just an amazing win in prime time with a huge audience watching. And Brady and the Patriots just couldn't, could not match up in this game. And so Baltimore now elevates themselves because of this win to the second or third best team in the AFC. 
you would say. If you want to put the Chiefs right there, certainly, and then the Patriots still, well, I don't know. I mean, the Patriots lost to the Ravens. I'd still say they're the best team, and when it comes to the playoffs, I think I would bet on the Patriots to beat Baltimore. But this was an eye-opening day, no question about it. MVP coming in may have been Deshaun Watson. He did nothing to really change that. It wasn't like the greatest day of his life, but he played outstanding. They went to London and beat the Jags 26-3. The Jags are now 4-5. and five. And, you know, not going anywhere, most likely. And the decision's going to be made between Minshew and Foles probably within a week, according to a lot of reports. Texans are 6-3, and three, lost J.J. Watt a week ago, but still getting the job done because Watson is that good. And the offense, even with Bill O'Brien being conservative, you can only be so conservative when Deshaun Watson is out there and able to do what he does. Bills over the hapless Redskins. Josh Allen had a decent day. The defense had a good day, as usual. Six and two Bills. They're going to the playoffs as a wild card. 24 to nine. Not much to say. Not much needed to be said. Matt Moore and the Chiefs outduel Kirk Cousins. Picked this one on the Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio. Said point blank that I thought that the Chiefs would probably somehow get the Vikings because this is the kind of game where Kirk Cousins doesn't perform. Even though it wasn't in prime time, this is the one where you expect them to win, but it's a big game against a good opponent, and you saw all those weapons, and you saw the brilliance of Andy Reid. It does not mean, as I saw on Twitter, which just stunned me beyond belief, it does not mean, ladies and gentlemen, that Patrick Mahomes is a system quarterback. That is insanity. But it does mean Matt Moore can play in the right circumstances. He's capable backup. And this was a win they needed, and they're 6-3. and three. And in good shape. Dolphins beat the Jets. Holy crap, folks. Adam Gase, this ain't going well. Le'Veon Bell might be a one-season deal. Darnold, it's like you're stunting him already. The Jets are, I mean, you lost to a team that wanted to lose all its games. The Dolphins win that game 26-18, to and now it's them and the Jets that are 1-7, and and the Dolphins have a head-to-head win over the Jets, so they may have cost themselves number one pick. What an awful matchup that was. Eagles over the Bears, 22-14. to Got to do something about Mitch Trubisky, right? I saw Robert Mays in the ringer, who's a huge Bears fan, grew up in the Chicago area, lives there, saying that you can't keep putting this guy out there. They had like 12 yards. I think Trubisky had like 12 yards in the first half. Finished with 125 on 10 of 21 passing, was sacked three times, a QBR of 18. Carson Wentz had a pretty decent day against a great defense. Chicago, total yards of 164 in this game. That's atrocious. And the defense was out there so often that they ended up giving up over 400 yards, or right at it, 373 in the game. Time of possession, 40 minutes for the Philadelphia Eagles, who are 5-4, and four, and who knows what's going to happen in terms of the top of that division in the NFC South, or pardon me, in the uh, NFC East. So they're, they could still be okay, even though that secondary is not very good, which tells you all you need to know about Trubisky not being the guy in Chicago. Steelers over the Colts. Brian Hoyer in the game after Jacoby Brissett got knocked out, but Jacoby Brissett is a warrior because he's out there standing up and cheering on, and you look like, it looks like he might be okay, but that hit was nasty when Nelson kind of rolled back into him, and it, it looked like it tweaked his shin. It looked like it tweaked his ankle, his knee, all in one. 
and he's not able to come back. Hoyer does some good things, some bad things. The Steelers get to 500 at four and four, and that's a big loss for the Colts. Colts and Texans atop the AFC South, which is still a rickety division. But the very definition of rickety is the Tennessee Titans, which we'll get to at the end. Raiders, they might be for real. David Carr had two touchdown passes. They had a fake punt in this game. The Lions are now under 500, and the Raiders scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to be enough to outlast them. Josh Jacobs is outstanding. We always heard about his story coming out of Alabama. Every broadcaster would talk about it. I'm not surprised to see this. Josh Jacobs is the new Alvin Kamara as it relates to guys that not enough people were paying attention to. Now, Jacobs got more opportunities, I think, than Kamara did during his time. But Jacobs lasting maybe as long as he did in the first round. But what he's doing, it's just, it does not surprise. It does not shock me at all. Maybe that it's happened this fast, but he can play. And they've got a little bit of an offensive line in front of him. And maybe Gruden knows a little bit more of what he's doing than some people said. And by some people, I mean me. Seahawks over the Bucks in a shootout. 40 to 34. Russell Wilson might be the other MVP candidate, had five touchdowns. They win this game in overtime against a game Buccaneers team that look, they play hard. The Bucs probably should have beaten the Titans. Bad call doomed them on that non call fumble for Brett Kern in Nashville. This team could have entered that game three and five. They're now two and six. The season's over for them. Seahawks are seven and two, just trying to keep pace with the undefeated Niners and staying above the Rams in a wild and woolly NFC West. Broncos beat the Browns. Allen throws two touchdowns for Denver in his first start. Baker Mayfield loses again. You've got a defensive back on Twitter shouting expletives and threatening Browns fans after the loss. Here we go, folks. Wheels are coming off. Baker Mayfield, who still hasn't turned his criticism of what's going on internal, he's still kind of going after the media, this is getting bad. The Freddie Kitchens experiment's not working. There are too many personalities on this team that need a veteran to calm them down, and Mayfield continues just not to play very well. Not that the Broncos have a bad defense. They don't, and it's not an easy place to go play in mile high, but this was unacceptable for Cleveland to lose this game. They scored in the fourth quarter to make it a little bit closer but Denver getting a win, moving to three and six. Yes, the Denver Broncos now have a head-to-head win over the Browns, who are two and six and are on their way to about a five and eleven season. Even worse than I thought. I thought they might be seven and nine. They're not going to get to seven wins. They do have an easy schedule, an easier schedule coming up. But a lot of people would have thought Denver would have been an easy win, especially with what we heard Flacco say last week and just the infighting there. But no. Browns are two and six, and it's officially time to stop talking about them and really maybe just stop paying attention to them for a while. Another impressive win and a needed win for the Chargers. They hold serve at home against a red hot Green Bay Packers team. And Aaron Rodgers, after the game, says that Green Bay was served some necessary humble pie in this game. Maybe they were feeling themselves a little bit too much. Melvin Gordon, two rushing touchdowns. Rivers plays a little bit better. Packers offense. Can't get much going, even against a, a still pretty battered up Chargers team. Chargers win this thing easy, 26-11 to 11 in the ballgame, and the Packers fall to 7-2. and two. Luckily, they're still in pretty good shape. Although, And luckily for them, the Vikings also lost against the AFC West. So 
they didn't lose any ground really in terms of their lead in that division. And then, of course, we already talked about Ravens Patriots tonight. Giants Cowboys. Giants are two and six. This is probably a day where Zeke eats. This is probably a day where Saquon Barkley eats as well. Dak Prescott against that defense. I'll be curious to see what Daniel Jones does. These are two glitzy franchises, but it's not a glitzy game. Dallas about a touchdown favored in the game. Hopefully it's close. A lot of these Monday night games this year have been absolutely dreadful, but we got to really, I think it was just compelling to watch the Ravens hold on because every time you watch the Patriots, you watch for the inevitable comeback from New England, and it just didn't come last night. Finally, the Titans, dreadful against the Carolina Panthers, leaving Christian McCaffrey uncovered, just not even accounting for him on the field, inexcusable. Suckup called back into action, missed all three of his field goals. Maybe he shouldn't have been. Easy for me to say after he goes 0 for 3, but maybe you need to hold him out. Maybe he wasn't quite ready yet because that was very un-Ryan Suckup-like, and that doomed them early, especially with that first miss. It just felt like it was going to be one of those days. Tannehill threw his first really bad interception, Late trying to make a play, but that was that was a flat out bad play by him. Offensive line, Taylor Lewan, hands to the face, Taylor Lewan holding. And then Taylor Lewan goes to the sidelines and says, We gotta play more discipline, guys. You first, homie. Lewan, I, I did not think that paying him what the Titans paid him made a whole lot of sense because I had not seen yet that he was that dominant. All I see is he continues not to learn how he has to play to avoid killer penalties that get things called back. There were some big plays that got called back due to penalties. Offensive line got flagged three times on one series in the second quarter of this game. Absolutely unacceptable and embarrassing by that unit. Keith Carter, eventually you have to start talking about somebody's job, right? I saw some people last night suggesting maybe it's about time to start questioning John Robinson as well. We're getting there. There's no quarterback on this team. And whoever makes the decision as to who the next quarterback on this team is, maybe that needs to be a fresh face. I can tell you something else that needs to change, and this has got to be an Arthur Smith decision. Deion Lewis, what are we doing here, folks? Why is Derrick Henry getting two carries in the first half against one of the worst rushing defenses in the league? They can defend the pass, so we're going to throw. And when we do have a running back on the field. For some reason, we got Deion Lewis, who before he fumbled the first time, tried to fumble and was able to hang on to it on a tackle a couple of plays before that. Deion Lewis, I think we thought he was going to be this change of pace guy, this Darren Sproles type with a little bit of toughness added to it, and he was coming from a winning locker room. It just hadn't worked out. He's had a couple of good days, one of them against the Patriots where he talked all week, and you know that was fun, but... This has got to be the Derrick Henry offense. You don't have a quarterback you trust. You still don't know what you've got in these wide receivers because you're not – I mean, we saw a screen to A.J. Brown. I saw Austin Stanley of A to Z Sports say, where has that been? Yeah, I mean, it works huge. It got him big yardage. Why are we not going to that more often? A.J. Brown, I've said before, I think he's going to end up being the best receiver on this team. Humphrey's still not being used enough. Corey Davis, I, I, half the time I don't know if he's on the field. Delaney Walker's dealt with injuries again. Jarrell Casey didn't play in this game, so he's bang, he was banged up because of his shoulder. That should be short-lived, but it didn't help here. And one thing I do want to point out is I think it's important for Jeffrey Simmons' development that he gets as many snaps as he can with Jarrell Casey. Jarrell Casey's not going to play probably that much longer, you would think. He's been in the league for a while now, one of the best, and a class act on top of that. So one, one would think 
the more Simmons can be around him, the better it's going to be for Simmons post-Casey as well and better for the Titans. But this is just another step back, and it's time to start looking forward to the draft and to next season because it's a wrap, folks. This is it. This is the one that you absolutely could not have. You come back and you play Kansas City, and you're going to lose. I know the Titans stepped up and played their best games against the Eagles and the Patriots last year. They're going to get beat by Kansas City. They're probably going to get crushed by Kansas City. The Titans' defense was exhausted by the second half of this game against the Panthers because of how many plays the Panthers had run compared to the three and outs and the turnovers from the Titans in the first half. They're exhausted. They're being asked to do more than anybody this side of the Chicago Bears defensively to keep their team in games, and finally they're starting to give way, and now Malcolm Butler has a broken wrist. And that's no good either. This was a bad day for the Tennessee Titans, who fall to 4-5 and five and are on their way to 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight and missing the playoffs. So let me ask you a question on the way out here. Is it time to stop rooting for wins this season if you're a Titans fan? Is it time to hope that you can bottom out and be higher up in the draft? I don't know if you're going to be high enough to draft the quarterback of the future or not. There are some guys that are going to be out there this time around outside of the top pick. But Tennessee, every win they get just makes it harder for them to get that replacement. If you're not going to make the playoffs, then maybe that Golden State Warriors thing where they keep saying they don't want to tank, but now that Curry's out, I would say you shut him down for the season and try to bottom out because the easiest way to rebuild in their cap situation is to do it through the draft. I don't see the veteran guy out there that's going to be ready to make a move that's going to change your fortunes as a Tennessee Titans fan. Like I don't think Andy Dalton's coming here to make this team better. I think you've got to look at the draft, and you've got to draft a quarterback, and you've got to do it now. And so if you finish 4-12, and 12, to me that might be the best possible result if you're a Titans fan. I think they'll finish 7-9, and nine, and they're going to be right there in that you know, 12 to 15 range, and maybe Justin Herbert falls far enough, or maybe somebody is there, or maybe they make a move to get up. I'm not, I don't like tanking. I'm not saying that I endorse this. I am saying that I can see the argument as to why it would happen. This was a bad game for the Titans. It was one step forward and two steps back, straight up Paula Abdul, opposites attract. Titans are four and five. They're going nowhere. This season is over. This was not a good performance, and McCaffrey looked every bit a top three, top four MVP candidate with his three touchdowns that led Panthers uh, to their win. Even without Cam Newton and even with Kyle Allen not playing a particularly good game, they had D.J. Moore making plays, and McCaffrey was too much for the Titans. As I predicted on Friday, Panthers win, and that's, your, that's the loss that your, your margin of error is just too small now. You've got the Chiefs. You've got the Saints. You've got two games against Deshaun Watson. You've got another game against the Colts. And you've got the Raiders. I can find you four losses right there. I can also find you more than four losses. Maybe they go on a tear and prove me wrong. But I, I don't see any reason to predict such a thing. I have to predict based on what I think is going to happen. If they outperform and they end up making the playoffs, all right, whatever. I think this was the one that you had to find a way to win. Even though I think Carolina is a better football team overall, you still should be able to win this game, and they could not do it, period. Hey, I actually stopped this podcast, but I want to go back and, and add one thing to it. The multi-talented Will Bowling, I'm sure, has spliced this into where you wouldn't have known if I hadn't told you. But real quick, 
Can we back off on the Jimmy G hype for a little bit? I'm going to talk about this Wednesday on the Big Six, but quickly. Jimmy G comes back and, and makes some plays late, and they beat the Cardinals 28-25. to And everybody's like, oh, well, this, this is what we need to see from Jimmy G. He's definitely the guy. Whatever you thought about Jimmy Garoppolo before that game, you should probably still think about him now. I'm not, like, super high on him. I'm not sold totally on him being some kind of savior. I, I think he's good enough to win in Kyle Shanahan's system. I think he is good enough to win with a defense around him that's as good as this defense is. But that's 28-25 against the vaunted Arizona Cardinals defense. This is what I don't understand. You know how many more? You know how many teams in the NFL, entering yesterday at least, had given up more points than the Arizona Cardinals this season? You know how many? Take a guess. The answer is zero. 28 to 25. They beat the Cardinals. Yes, you win a game in the NFL. You win a game in your division. You, you come back to do it. Sure. I'm not saying it's not a good thing. I'm saying that coming back against the Arizona Cardinals defense is not like you're coming back against the 85 Bears. That's all I'm saying. Pump the brakes just a little bit. Garoppolo, has a, he has a good completion percentage. It's post 70%. But a lot of what he's doing, look, they, they've got some additions to that team that are helping out. Shanahan's scheme is rock solid, and the defense is outrageously good. Okay? Just ask yourself this question about Jimmy G. How many quarterbacks in the league right now that are starting or that are on rosters do you think could have the San Francisco 49ers undefeated right now? I mean, it's got to be 10 or 15, right? Not everybody, certainly. He's probably a top half of the league quarterback or right there in the middle of the road. But what I say about Dak Prescott, I'm going to say the same thing about Jimmy Garoppolo. Right now, pretty average when everything's right around them, they can win. I don't think that I, I think Dak Prescott has more winning intangibles that I've gotten to see so far, but I've also got a bigger sample size. To he just has this this way about him. But Garoppolo, I'm not trying to slight him. I'm just saying back off a little bit on crowning him as the Messiah at the quarterback spot or the next big thing in San Francisco because he came back on Thursday night football, which is weird anyway. He came back on Thursday night football against the Arizona Cardinals. This was not the Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Baltimore Ravens that he was playing against. So good win, and the 49ers are the best team in the NFC, and they're undefeated, and that's awesome. Congratulations to them. But this shouldn't make you all of a sudden just completely reassess how you feel about Jimmy Garoppolo. And I heard way too much of that on national media and everywhere else after that win. It was the Cardinals' defense. Let's have some perspective and pay attention to the opponents. Everybody wants to bury the Patriots schedule. The 49ers schedule has been pretty daggone easy as well. And it's not like Garoppolo has been just tearing it up. He's thrown more interceptions than you would think. I just think he's kind of a above-average game manager right now more than anything. It was a nice win. Slow down. Slow your roll. It was the Cardinals' defense. And that, folks, is a look at football. That is the quick six on this Monday, November the 4th, 2019. I don't know how long we went. I haven't actually looked at it yet, but I'll call a halt to it here. I'll be on with you on Wednesday on the Big Six, Friday as well, hosting the Big Six. 
So there'll be a lot going. Check out the His Dark Materials review at some point. We're going to do a Back to the Future 2 and 3 podcast as well this week with Brad Willis. We also did release the Office podcast last week, the Pop 6 edition. So subscribe to the Pop 6 with Jason Martin if you want that full archive. Go back and listen to all we have had to say. Read my Watchmen reviews each week right as the credits roll on HBO on Sunday nights in the Big 6 blog. That's at 1045zone.com slash Big 6 blog. Again, you can find me on Twitter at jmartzone. Until next time, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless, and good morning, good afternoon, good night from the Music City.